And now, for the show reflecting on classic radio, Hollywood 360, with your host, Carl Amari. Who's that strange-looking man behind you? That's Carl. I met him at the laundry man. Detective agency. Sam, sweetheart. I don't know what to do, Rabbi. Every night he listens to the radio. I can't keep him away. The Lone Ranger, uh, the Shadow, the Masked Avenger. Uh, this is not good. It tends to induce bad values, false dreams, lazy habits. Want to hear the most annoying sound in the world? <laughs> guys, guys, guys! Fellas, think we could listen to the radio or something? Hello, everyone. I'm Carl Amari, and this is Hollywood 360, the radio show that presents the best in classic radio. This hour on Hollywood 360, I'll present a classic radio detective adventure of KC Crime Photographer starring Stotts Cotsworth and a classic radio comedy episode of The Adventures of Ozzy and Harriet. But first, let me say hello to my co-host, Lisa Wolf. What's up, Lisa? Hey, Carl. How are you? How's the headphones working now? Yeah, I'm, okay, I'm, I'm ready to, ready really? to do some You can hear? Anything. You got your cans on, as they say? Yeah, yeah. I can always hear you, Carl. All right. So what's happening in the world of Hollywood? Well, we had a very exciting Sports Illustrated cover model that just came out this week. Really? Did you, did you, you didn't see it? Mm, oh, wait a minute. Was she like a... A plus size model. She is. This is yes, very good. Heard about this? Ashley Graham. They call her full figure. Right. And she weighs more than a gram, though, probably. Right. Well, and so do we. Yeah. And so this is their first plus size cover girl, which I think is pretty exciting. This is the first time she, in particular, has made front page front page. It's really big news, huh? Yeah, yeah, it's very big right. news. Good yeah, one, girl. Very good. She used to do it because she has in the past on a commercial for Lane Bryant's kind of sexy lingerie uh-huh. commercial. She was a size 16. Uh-huh. She's a size 14 now. Oh, she so did a she's... completely unretouched photo. Right. And um, this is a big deal. This is six years later. She made the cover. And right. it's a big deal to be on the cover. It is a big deal. It's a big deal. She's yeah. with, you know, Cheryl Tiggs and Christy Brinkley and right. Heidi Klum and all the beautiful women who have graced the cover of... Uh, you know, the swimsuit issue, which, uh, it's girls out right in, now on girls newsstands. Girls in bikinis and exotic locations. You can check Ashley Graham I can out. go to newsstands and buy that, uh, issue. Yeah, you know, right, it, it's a step forward for women. All righty. Way to go, Lisa. Thanks, Carl. All right. Are you ready for a classic radio show? <laughs> I, I sure am. Okay. It's time for Casey Crime Photographer. The character of Jack Flashgun Casey was first penned by former newspaper and advertising executive George Harmon Cox Jr. in the March 1934 issue of Black Mask, the legendary pulp magazine. Casey was a cameraman who took photographs that accompanied reporters' newspaper stories, but his keen eye for detail served him well at solving the crimes he was assigned to photograph. Flashgun Casey was an instant success with the Black Mask readers and soon made the leap to the silver screen in 1938's Here's Flash Casey. By 1943, Cox persuaded CBS to bring Casey to radio. Jim Backus, TV's Thurston Howell III, was radio's first Casey, but was replaced early on by Stotts Cotsworth. The title of the radio series changed several times in the first year, eventually settling on Casey Crime Photographer. Jack Casey and his fellow reporter Ann Williams, played over the run by Alice Reinhardt, Chan Minor, and Leslie Woods, worked for the fictional Morning Express. When not at work, they frequented the Blue Note Cafe, a late-night lounge where bartender Ethelbert, played by John Gibson, 
provided both a sounding board and levity for Casey and Ann as they were awaiting their next call to a crime case. Much of the show's success can be attributed to the gifted writer Alonzo Dean Cole. All right, are you ready for this, Lisa? I've been ready. Let's tune this in. This is from July 17, 1947. It's called Self-Made Hero. It stars Stotts Cotsworth now as Casey, crime photographer. The Anchor Hawking Glass Corporation brings you Crime Photographer. Casey, did you see where my niece got engaged last week? Oh, is her name Princess Elizabeth? No, her name's Jane. Then I didn't see it. How do you like that? If you're not royalty, no one knows what happens to you. You don't have to be royalty, Ethelbert. You just gotta be famous. Sure, like Anchor Hawking, the most famous name in glass. <laughs> Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. This is Tony Marvin. Every week at this time, the Anchor Hawking Glass Corporation of Lancaster, Ohio, and its more than 10,000 employees bring you another adventure of Casey Crime Photographer. Ace Cameraman, who covers the crime news of a great city. Written by Alonzo Dean Cole, our adventure for tonight, Self-Made Hero. Casey, like most news cameramen, has a radio in his automobile that he keeps tuned to police calls. Tonight, as he and reporter Ann Williams drive leisurely toward the express building after covering a routine assignment. Calling car 55, car 55, come in car 55. Car 55, Sergeant Brannon. Brannon? Hey. hey, we know Sergeant Proceed Brannon. Oh, he's a Annie. I didn't know they had him on prowl car duty. Frisco. Report of shooting there. Proceed a to shooting? alleyway on... Oh, hey, wait a minute. It'll be repeated. Listen. Clark and Frisco. Report of shooting there. No further details. That is all. Oh, oh, more Casey like we're only a few blocks from there. Maybe there's a story. With pictures. Next stop, 12th Street. Between Clark and Frisco. <laughs> Usual crowds collected, Casey. And there comes a police car, Annie. We're getting here to jump ahead of Brennan. Get out. Come on. Okay. All right, get back, you people. Get back. This ain't no service. Oh, there's a patrolman over there, the young Casey. young fellow beside him must have had something to do with the shooting. Why, well, he's just a tall, lanky boy, I Casey. said get back, everybody. That means you and this lady, mister. And we're press, officer. Oh, you're press, huh? That's right, of course. Here comes your sergeant. He knows us. Hello there, Brannon. Oh, hiya, Casey. Hello, Miss Williams. Hello, sergeant. What's the trouble, Johnson? Why, this young fellow here, sergeant, he says someone took a couple of pot shots at him back in that alleyway. I didn't call for assistance, officer, until I'd done everything possible to help myself. Well, let's get inside this cigar store, then he can tell me what happened. Come on, Casey. All right, move back there. Let us through, will you? Come on, uh, one side. Now then, let's have your story, bud. What's your name? The name is Wellington Cliffside. Only one F in Cliffside. At present, appointed as junior pharmacist at Black's 10th Street Drugstore. Uh-huh. I, uh, see you carry a camera, Mr., uh, uh Casey. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, any time you say, I believe in cooperating with the newspapers. Now, wait a minute. I'm only a cop, but I still want to know what this shooting was about. Oh, certainly, Sergeant. Well, as I've already told Officer, uh, Johnson, during the past month, I became suspicious of two men who've been making telephone calls from the drugstore. Mm-hmm. Well, I made it my business to overhear parts of their conversation. And what I heard, Sergeant, convinced me that they are spies. Spies? Hmm, foreign agents. Well, they must have become suspicious of my suspicions. For tonight, they, uh, they acted. Acted? Yes, sir. A few minutes ago, I was standing there at the corner waiting for a young lady of my, uh, acquaintance, uh, <clears throat> when uh, these two men passed me. The two men have been making the mysterious phone calls, huh? Yes, sir. I saw them go into the dark, deserted alley back of us. 
I followed them. Now I know they meant to lure me to my death. For when I entered the alley... He says I... they grabbed him, Sergeant. Let that... him tell the story, Johnson. While they seized me, Sergeant. One of them slashed at me with a knife. Oh, look, you can see the tears he made in my overcoat. Uh, there in the left sleeve, huh? Mm-hmm. And uh, here in the front. The knife didn't get stuck into you yourself? No, no, I broke away and they ran with me in hot pursuit. Uh-huh. Then they pulled guns and started shooting. The bullets missed you. I was lucky. I, I chased him to the end of the alley. With them shooting? Well, I considered it my duty, Sergeant. Then what happened? Then I found that they disappeared, probably into one of the buildings on the street. I knew I couldn't find them all by myself, so I yelled. Uh. I should say I shouted for assistance. This policeman came up and, uh, well, he can tell you the rest. There ain't no rest, Sarge. Except I couldn't find no mysterious strangers around like this young fella described. Okay, Johnson, did this guy show you where the shooting and stabbing took place in that alley? Uh, yes, I did, Sergeant. I'll show you. You a... stay here. Roberts. Yes, sir? You keep Mr. Wellington Rockside Company while I have a look around out here. Come on, Johnson, and uh, show it's me. It's Wellington Cliffside, Sergeant. Okay, thanks. You're welcome. Well, Mr. Casey, I suppose you want to take some pictures of me for your newspaper. Mm, yeah, yeah, I think you're worth a couple of pictures, huh? Now, hold up that overcoat sleeve to show the tear in it while I back off and get you in focus. All right. That's a terribly phony story that he told, Casey. <laughs> Phonies can make good laugh copy, Annie. Kid's an amateur Dick Tracy. <laughs> uh, I'll hold out the front of my overcoat, too, Mr. Casey, so you can get a picture of the knife cut there. Yeah, that'll be fine. Okay, Wellington, now hold it. Thank you. Marna. Look at that girl, Casey. Bobby sucks. Oh, Wellington, they told me how those awful men had tried to kill you. Oh, you're not hurt. Oh, well, I, I got the best of them, Marna. But you can see what they did to my coat. <gasps> Wellington. Oh, isn't it lucky you had on your old one? Uh, excuse me, Mr. Uh, Cliffside. Is yes? this the young lady you were waiting for? Oh, when, uh... yes, yes, Mr. Casey. Uh, Miss Williams, Mr. Casey, this is uh, Miss Marna Adams. <laughs> Uh, Mr. Casey is on a newspaper, Myrna. He's just been taking pictures of me. Oh, how nice. How do you do, Miss Adams? I knew all about those spies Wellington was after, Mr. Casey. I was the only one he told about them. Oh, Wellington, you've been wonderful. If they'd hurt you, I don't know what I'd do. <laughs> oh, gee, Myrna, it was... Uh, Sergeant Brandon's coming back, Casey, and there's a woman with him. Ah, Sergeant. Uh, did you find any clues in the alley that might help us catch those spies? Plenty, young fella. Is, uh, this the guy, Mrs. Levy? That's him, Sergeant. That long string being of a kid. What? This what? lady lives in the flat building next to the alley. She happened to be looking out of her window when you were cutting holes in your own coat with a penknife. I... All the windows were dark in the alley. The alley was dark. Look I got at... the kind of eyes that see good at night. And why should I burn electricity when I'm only looking out my window? I mind my own business. I wouldn't tell the cops if they hadn't come asking me if I saw something. And she saw you fire those shots. I... I didn't fire any shots. No, but you set off some homemade firecrackers that sounded like shots. Here's pieces of them I found back there. Sergeant, look, I... I... saw you light a match to those firecrackers, young man. Firecrackers? Myrna... There weren't any spies. No one tried to kill you. This was all a bluff. Myrna, look, You, I... you cheater, you cheap rug cutter, you, you firecracker shooter, you faker. You gotta listen to I me. I never want to see you again. Don't go away, Myrna, don't. Yeah, you I... stay here, Mr. Mister... Oh, well, you gotta explain to what... You gotta let me explain, Sergeant, please. She's gone. You've got some explaining to do to the judge after I run you in. Hey, Roberts, make out your report on this guy, and we'll take him to the station. Okay, Sarge. Come on, you. All right, all right. Hey, hey, Brandon. Yeah? What, Casey? Don't run that kid in. 
And why not? Well, couldn't you see he was making a grandstand play for that Bobby Sox gal and it flopped? Oh, he's already taken one on the chin and hard. Now, look, Casey, we cops have too much trouble with his kind of I know, I know, but do me a favor, will you, Brandon? I'll do one for you sometime. I don't make trades. But I don't get any kick out of pinching goofy kids either. Look, Casey, you can have Wellington Brookside if you only take him away from here. If you don't, well... That mob out there has heard what's happened, and they'll they'll kill him right. I'll take him away. Okay, thanks, Casey. I'll tell him to get in your car. Hey, what's the idea, Casey? I don't like to see a kid KO'd twice in one night, Annie. Look, and when you get to the office, kid, don't write this story, for laughs or otherwise. I'm forgetting the pictures I took. Oh, I get it. Okay. All right, come on. I'm going to drive the kid home, and I'll drop you on the way. <laughs> Well, here you are, Annie. Okay. So long, Casey. Goodbye, Wellington. Goodbye, Miss Williams. See you in a little while, Annie. Okay. Hey, uh, kid, is that, uh, that Wellington name? Is that on the level? My name is Jack. Jack? Oh, that's my name. Okay, Jack. I, I, I don't want to bother you, Mr. Casey. It's nobody. Look, forget that Mr. stuff. Just plain Casey's all I rate. Cigarette? Yeah, thanks. I was too ashamed to open my mouth while Miss Williams was with us. Now I want you to know I... Well, I think it was swell of you to talk the cops into letting me go. Uh, Sergeant Brannon was only looking for an excuse not to run you in. He's a regular guy. I deserve to be run in. I must have been crazy to think I could get away with what I tried to do. Mm. Well, all of us are a little nutty at times, I guess. We get over it, though. Mm. Here's some matches for that cigarette. Huh? Oh, thanks. Pretty kid, Miss Adams. Yeah. Would you like to uh, tell me about her? Often does a guy good to get things off his chest. Yeah. Mr. Casey, I've got a bum back. You got bum back? I fell down a flight of stairs a couple of years ago, and now I've got to wear a steel corset to keep it in place. Oh, your bum back and the steel corset have anything to do Everything. with the... You see, Myrna... Miss Adams admires guys who, who do things. You know, like Clark Gable and Gary Cooper in the movies. Oh, I see. Yeah. Well, I told her about my bum back. But I said it got hurt while I was playing football. I said I'd been the star halfback in high school. Then she found out I had never been a good enough athlete to even get on a girls' softball team. And that I just stumbled over my own feet going downstairs. Since then, she hasn't believed anything I've told her. Except for maybe a minute tonight before the cops called my bluff. She thinks I am, well, just what I am. Big, skinny clown who can't do anything regular guys can do. Uh, that's out of my own imagination. Hmm. Uh, maybe if somebody talked to uh, uh, Myrna, she might look at things a little differently. Miss Williams might do that. No, Miss Williams is another girl. She couldn't do any good. Oh, you might, though. Me? Yeah, she respects old guys. Uh, old? Well, I don't mean you're so very old, but you must be all of 30. Yeah? Pretty ancient, huh? And you're in the newspaper racket. You must know cops and murderers and... Oh, gee, I bet you've even talked to G-men and movie stars. Oh, Marina will think you're almost as important a guy as, as Clark Gable or, or even Humphrey Bogart. Oh, now, oh, wait. Oh, she'll listen to you, Casey. 
Will you go to her and explain that I'm not... Not just a heel. Now, listen, Jack, oh, please, I Casey. Well, okay, fella. Oh, gee. Thanks. It's no use, Mr. Casey. I think it's very fine of you to try to defend Mr. Cliff's side, but... I never want to hear his name again. I consider him a drip. Oh, now, don't be like that, Miss Adams. He's a nice kid. He's crazy about you. No, Mr. Casey. He and I are, are through. Forever. I'm sorry. Um, well, I, there's nothing more I can say, so I'll shove off. Oh, don't rush away. You've talked so much about Mr. Clipside. I haven't heard a thing about you. Me? Uh-huh. You've rescued people from burning buildings and captured burglars single-handed, and you're a real hero. Uh, whoever told you that was having a pipe dream. Oh, no, you're just being modest, like I think all men should be. I... Say, look, where did I put my hat, Miss Adams? Oh, come on. Please sit down, Mr. Casey. Uh, no, And I... let's get better acquainted. Well, I... There. I've always wanted to meet a man like you. Give me a cup of black coffee, Ethelbert. Okay, Casey. You want one, Miss Williams? No, thanks, Ethelbert. Casey, you look like you've got trouble. Uh. <laughs> I'll say he has, Ethelbert, in a neat red-headed package. Trimmed with short skirts and a pair of bobby socks, a hero worship complex, and a, a very unbashful personality. It isn't funny, Ann. <laughs> You're talking about a woman, huh? Oh, not a woman, no. A goofy 17-year-old kid that ought to be spanked. Wish I had the nerve to do it. She's developed a crush on Casey. Phones him at the office several times a day and waits for him on the street so she can gaze at him and... Casey, how did you get yourself into anything like that? You ain't no cradle snatcher. Ethelbert, all I did was to call on her one afternoon last week in order to, uh, well, to try and square something for somebody else. She isn't the girl that Cliffside kid set off the firecrackers on account of. <laughs> That's who. Huh? But Cliffside doesn't know yet that Casey squared things so beautifully. Will you get it, Walter? Yeah, I put sure. off telling him that... She won't listen to anything that I say in his favor because, well, he's miserable enough as it is. You know, he phones me a couple of times a day, too, Ethelbert, to ask how I'm making out with her. I can't stall him much longer. Oh, I must have been nuts to get myself mixed up in something like this. <laughs> uh, telephone for you, Mr. Casey. Why, who is it? Uh, uh, Mr. Cliffside. I, I, I thought I was about due for my nightly call from him. He's probably been trying to get me at the office. Well, Annie. since you can't help him, you better stop stalling and tell him the truth, Casey. Oh, I, I can't, Annie. I, excuse me. You know, Miss Williams, Casey sure has a talent for getting himself into situations that ain't easy to get out. Hello? Casey? Yeah, Jack. How are you, fella? Casey, I've, I've just learned the truth. Huh? About you and Myrna. What do you mean? I met her on the street a while ago. She told me nothing could ever be fixed up between her and me and that she was in love with you. Dave, now listen, I kid. I just well stunned you, Paul. Kidding me into thinking you were my friend and then double-crossing me. Listen to me, I've listened you? to you long enough. I called up now to let you know that what you've done is the last straw. 
When I leave this phone, I'm going to the river. The river? I don't want to live any longer, Casey. I'm going to end it all. You young dope, where are you? Never mind where I am. Jack, I've got to meet you. I've got to talk to you. You and no one else is ever going to talk to me again. I won't be in your way after tonight, Casey. You can have Myrna. I don't want Myrna. Jack! Goodbye, Casey. Jack! Hey, kid! Hey! Operator! 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 This is the operator. Uh, look, what was the number that just called here? You've been disconnected, sir. I know that. Oh, never mind. Annie. Yes, Casey? Annie, that darn fool kid says he's going to throw himself in the river. What? The way he sounded, I don't think he's bluffing. we got to stop him, Annie. You know where he is? No, but there's only one place that kid had picked for a suicide, the cliff at Rocky Point. You mean the place they call Lover's Leap? Yes. Oh, but Casey, that's where I know how up... far it is, Annie. But he wasn't calling from around there because there isn't a public telephone within a mile of the place. He'll have to reach it by bus, but we've got a car. Look, Annie, I may need you to convince him that I'm not trying to steal his murder. Come on. That's the first portion of KC Crime Photographer from July 17, 1947. It's called Self-Made Hero, starring Stotts Cotsworth. Also in the cast, Jan Minor, Jack Grimes, and John Gibson. And Tony Marvin. He had a deep voice, Lisa, that Tony Marvin. Kind of like you. Yeah. A, a nice, the, deep, baritone voice. Yeah, doing the announcing there, sponsored by Anchor Hawking Glass, is heard on CBS. Hey, I want to tell all of our listeners that we have a podcast of this show. A lot of our stations, we have lots and lots of stations across the country, Lisa. But a lot of our stations don't carry all four hours of our program. And on the four hours of our program, we play six classic radio shows. You don't want to miss any of those. So obviously we want you to listen to the radio station. But if they don't carry all four hours, you can always go to our website and listen to a podcast of this show. You'll hear all six hours of the radio programs. Just go to Hollywood 360 radio.com just log on to hollywood360radio.com and what else do they get there a bonus hour right they get a bonus hour i was going to mention one of our listeners uh, messaged us through facebook just this week and said that their radio station carries hours two through four so they regularly go listen to our podcast for hour one and then oh, start two through that four. Makes so sense. It doesn't have to come in in the middle of the uh, radio show. Yeah. So we're a syndicated radio program. We're not live on all of the stations for the full four hours, although some stations do carry us live. But if you are a station or a listener in an area where the station doesn't carry us live or doesn't carry all four hours, just check us out on podcasts. So you get all four hours on our podcast plus a bonus hour. Just go to Hollywood360radio.com and also at that website, hundreds of thousands of pictures of Lisa Wolf. You don't want to miss that. Exciting. Yeah. All right, let's take a break. Then it's much more here on Hollywood 360. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. And now back to Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari. Welcome back to the Hollywood 360 Radio Network. And let's tune in now to the conclusion of Self-Made Hero, starring Stotts Cotsworth as Casey, crime photographer. Casey, if that crazy kid has picked another spot on the river to throw himself no, in... I'm not afraid I... of that, Annie. What I'm afraid of is we may not get there in time. If he does jump in, I'll be responsible. Now, don't talk like that. It's such a mess of it. Oh, you have not. It was that little fool of a girl who did that. Oh, I'd like to wring her neck. Well, there's no use blaming her. No. This is as far as we better go with the car. I'll run it off the road among the trees here and turn off the lights. 
If he saw it, he'd suspect I was after him. He'd maybe get away. But if he hasn't got near ahead of us well, and already... Well, thinking like that, Casey. Well, get out of the car and come on, Annie. All right. Go out to the cliff through these trees. It's pretty bright. It'll be seen on the road. This is a horrible, desolate place. Yeah. Annie, we can see the edge of the cliff from here. And there's no one on it. Well, that means he hasn't gotten here yet. They mean he has gotten now, here. Now, stop imagining things. Casey, someone's coming through the trees on the other side of the road down there. Where? I see. Someone tall and lanky. It's the kid. He's going toward the edge, Annie. Yeah, he sees you. He's running, too, for the edge. Hey, wait, wait, kid, kid, wait. i got to talk to you. No one's ever going to talk to me again. Jack, you've got to let me talk. Run, Casey. He's almost at the edge. Kid, stop, We can't you? reach him in time. Oh, he stumbled. Grab him before he gets up. Jack, I got him. Let me go with you. He hadn't stumbled. He... He's only a few feet away from the ledge. Casey, young fella, for the scare you've given us, I ought to knock your teeth out. Why don't you stop me? Why do you care what happens to me? We shouldn't care. Can't you realize that Casey's only interested in Myrna because... Well, he was trying to help you. And let this sink in. If I weren't sure that he couldn't have any romantic notions about a child like your Myrna, I wouldn't be here with him. You mean that... You mean that you're Casey's real girlfriend, Miss Williams? Why? Well, use your own judgment, if you have any. I should have figured that out. I'm sorry, Casey. Well, okay, kid. Well, now, we're taking you back to town. We'll cut through these woods to the car. All right. I can't stop you from taking me back, but I still don't want to live, Casey. When I was wrong about you, I wasn't wrong about having lost Myrna. She told me herself tonight that she hated me. Jack, there are millions of girls in the world. Must you have just one particular one? I don't want anybody else. Ever. Hmm. Brother, you're a true monogamist. Hey. Cars turn into the road. Wait a minute. I wonder if the driver knows it's a dead end at the edge of the cliff. Yeah. Guess he's seen where he was heading. He stopped. Hey, wait. Let's see who this is. Hey, Casey. That man getting out. Holding his hands above his head. Yeah. Guy getting out behind him has a gun. Man. That guy with a gun is Blackie Owen. The racketeer? Yes. Don't, Blackie. Give me a chance. Oh, don't. Oh, he shot him. Casey, be quiet, both of you. Keep back of these trees, out of sight. Okay. Like he owns is a dead shot and none of us has a gun. He knew we'd seen what we have seen. Our lives wouldn't be worth a nickel. He's getting back in the car. He's driving away. Wait. Don't move from here until he turns off his branch road. Okay. Now let's go over and look at the body. Annie, Blackie Owens is one of the dirtiest gang leaders in this town. The cops have never been able to nail him. What we've just seen will send him to the chair and give us a front-page exclusive. Jack, I could kiss you. We wouldn't have been here if it hadn't been for you. Casey, how can you think of front pages when you've just seen a guy murdered? Get used to things like murder in the newspaper racket. Uh, hmm, well, there he is. Well, uh, do you uh, recognize him, Casey? I certainly do. Well, that gives me a good reason not to be too unhappy about this shooting. The guy who just had his last ride was Twist Yakov. Well, he was Blackie Owens' chief gunman. That's right, Annie. Blackie gave it to him right between the eyes. He... He's dead. As a last year's daisy. Never seen a dead guy before. It's awful. Yeah. Remember that the next time you think of bumping yourself off, kid. Now, come on to the car. Let me get a camera and shoot some pictures of this. There'll be no... What? Uh, Casey. Hello, Blackie. Stick up your hands. All of you. 
Okay. I wouldn't have come back if I hadn't seen your car parked off the road after I turned the bend. It gave me the idea that there might have been witnesses to what occurred here a few minutes ago. And I don't want witnesses. He's going to kill us. Take it easy, Jack. The young man, unfortunately for all of you, is right. You see, I prepared a very good alibi for this evening that your testimony would kind of spoil. <laughs> I'll give you all your choice. Where would you like it? Between the eyes, like Yakko, through the heart or in the stomach. <laughs> you know, I pride myself that I never miss. If it's all the same to you, Blackie, I'd prefer not to be shot. Oh, Casey. <laughs> Yeah, you should have known better to stand so close to a guy you meant to plug. You got his gun, Casey. You got his gun. Yes, I have. Now, Blackie, we'll go to my car and get a camera and take some nice pictures of you. Now, be good. Stick your hands in the air and get going. Okay, but don't you want this... What are you picking up there? Can't you see? A pair of gloves. The lady dropped them when she stuck up her hands a minute ago. No use leaving them on the road. Yeah, miss. Oh, yeah, they are my gloves. Hey, Casey! He's grabbed Let her go! Drop that gun you took from me, Casey. If you try to shoot it, you'll have to shoot through this dame first. He's holding her in front of him. Let go! Let me go! I always carry two cats, and you gave me a chance to get the second one, sap. Go. Now drop that rod or I shoot this dame. Go on. Drop it. You win, Blackie. Ah, I thought I would. Now get over there with your friends, oh, lady. I want to see you all in line like clay pipes in a shooting gallery. You're going to be first, kid. Me? Yeah. And you get it in the belly. Jack! I killed him! Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Guess I'll save you to the last, Casey. Lady, you're next. I'm going to make this shot for Jack. Right between the eyes. <laughs> Those shots! Blackie's fallen! I shot him, Casey. I got him, Miss Williams. Jack, you shot him! The bullet he shot at me hit the steel of the corset I wear for my back. I glanced off. But I pretended I was dead, and I, I fell close to the gun he made you drop, Casey. I... Oh, I, I, I've never shot anyone before. Boy, I'm glad you shot somebody this time, kid. I am a hero. I am a hero. <laughs> Casey, didn't you and Miss Williams kind of overdo that stuff about Wellington Cliffside in this morning's paper? No guy's ever been that much of a nature's noble man. <laughs> Boy, you'd have thought he was if you'd been there, Ethelbert. Oh, I'm standing in our exact spot. Oh, maybe you're right. How did it go down with his girlfriend who wanted to be Casey's girlfriend? That's <laughs> <Huh>? well. <laughs> she was, you know, she was barely civil to me when I saw her today with Jack. I understand they're engaged, too. Well, as my sister Edna says, quote, the only thing wrong with the younger generation is that it grows older. Unquote. What does that mean? Prime Photographer, starring Stotts Cotsworth as Casey, is brought to you each Thursday by Anchor Hawking Glass Corporation. Makers of Fire King Oven Glass. Anchor Glass Containers. 
Anchor Caps and Closures. All products of Anchor Hawking, the most famous name in glass. Prime Photographer is directed by John Dietz. The original music is by Archie Blyer, and the program features Miss Jan Minor as Anne and John Gibson as Ethelbert. The part of Jack Cliffside was played by Jack Grimes, and Herman Chittison is the Blue Note pianist. This is Tony Marvin saying goodnight for the Anchor Hawking Glass Corporation of Lancaster, Ohio, with offices in all principal cities of the United States and Canada. Stay tuned for exciting dramatizations on Reader's Digest Radio Edition, which follows immediately over most of these stations. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. And that's Casey Crime Photographer from July 17, 1947, with Self Made Hero starring Stotts Cotsworth. And also in the cast, Jan Minor, Jack Grimes, and John Gibson. Tony Marvin doing the announcing for Anchor Hawking Glass, as heard on the Columbia Broadcasting System. This is the Hollywood 360 Radio Network. I'm Carl Amari, your host, and Lisa Wolf to my right. We uh, we do this uh, every week, Lisa, right? We play these classic radio shows. We sure do. It seems like every day, but it's a week that's gone yeah. by. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a week since I've seen you. It seems like it was Gosh, just yesterday. That's somehow. really weak, you know? Isn't yeah. it? Kind of weak. But uh, you want to hear a comedy? I love the comedies. Make I me know. laugh, would you? You do. You like the comedies for sure. The Adventures of Ozzie and Harriet launched on CBS Radio October 8th, 1944, making a mid-season switch to NBC in 1949. It starred Ozzie as the head of the Nelson household that included wife Harriet and their two boys, David and Ricky. Each week, the Nelsons found themselves in another amusing situation, much to the delight of the listener. Because Ozzie felt they were too young, the Nelson's sons, David and Ricky, did not join the radio cast until the show's fifth year. Prior to joining, their characters were portrayed by professional actors. Sponsored by International Sterling, the radio series enjoyed great popularity until 1954. In 1952, Ozzie brought the adventures of Ozzie and Harriet to ABC television, attracting an even larger audience. Although it was never a top ten hit, it became synonymous with 1950s ideal American family life. Bowing out in 1966, The Adventures of Ozzie and Harriet became the longest-running live-action, non-animated sitcom in U.S. TV history. It's time for a radio episode now from September 30th, 1945, which was really kind of the first year they were on the air, so it's an early episode called Exaggeration Troubles. Here's Ozzie Nelson and Harriet Hilliard in the adventures of Ozzie and Harriet. From Hollywood, International Silver Company, creators of 1847 Rogers Brothers Silver Plate, present the adventures of Ozzie and Harriet, starring America's favorite young couple, Ozzie Nelson and Harriet Hilliard. Well, folks, let's look in on the Nelson household at 1847 Rogers Road. It's late morning, but Ozzie and Harriet haven't even eaten breakfast yet. They were up quite late last night, and as we join them in the living room, they're discussing the events of the night before. Gee, that was a wonderful party last night, wasn't it, Harriet? Yeah, it certainly was. And it's amazing what happens to you after one glass of beer. <laughs> now, just what is that supposed to mean? You trying to imply that one glass of beer made me, shall we say, a little hazy? We shall say it. <laughs> it's ridiculous. After the party, I drove us home all right, didn't I? 
See what I mean? We're the ones who gave the party. I was just going along with the gag, Smarty. It's a very lovely party and you know it. Have you called the insurance company yet? No, I haven't really checked to see if there's any damage. See, we certainly had a lot of interesting people here last night, didn't we? Yeah, I wonder who they were. <laughs> a lot of them were complete strangers to me. Of course, I was busy most of the evening being the perfect host. Oh, yeah, you were the perfect host. Well, now, why do you say it that way? I thought I was very attentive and very charming. I hope you noticed that I admired each and every woman's dress as she walked into the room. You admired every woman's dress, all right. In fact, you mortified that one woman completely. Well, how should I know she wasn't wearing a bustle? <laughs> oh, say, and speaking of being a perfect host, how about the time you helped serve the sandwiches? I thought I served the sandwiches very well. Well, honey, there are certain things that guests take for granted. You didn't have to keep saying, they're free, they're free. <laughs> Everybody knew I was only kidding. Oh, and by the way, dear, if we ever give another party, let's not invite that Charlie, huh? Charlie who? You know, that Charlie, whatchamacallit. Oh, him. I thought you liked him. Oh, I guess he's all right, but he's such a ham. Always trying to hog the spotlight and be the life of the party. Well, I didn't notice. When was that? When? Why, every time I began my impersonation of Edward G. Robinson... <laughs> The one where I put the cigar in my mouth and I say, oh, are you guys are Okay, right? dear, okay. I've heard it so many, many times. And another thing, how Charlie can tell those corny old jokes. Oh, Gosh. hey, did you notice how all the women left the room every time somebody started telling a risque joke? Yes, that always annoys me. Why can't they let the men hear it, too? <laughs> oh, it was a swell party, though. I really had a wonderful evening. Wasn't it fun dancing for a change? Yeah, it sure was. Hey, how about that big fat friend of yours doing the Roomba? Yeah, she was quite a sight. I'll say every time she danced around the room once, she rearranged the furniture twice. <laughs> I wonder if Gloria has breakfast ready yet. I'm absolutely starved. Starved? <laughs> well, not exactly, but you know how us women like to exaggerate a little. Oh, yes, which brings up a little matter I've been wanting to talk to you about. What's that, dear? That exaggeration of yours at the party last night. The one that involved me. Well, I was... I've been wondering when you're going to bring that up. Why did you announce to everybody that I could do 50 push-ups? <laughs> well, I'm proud of you, dear. Are you proud of me when I could only do seven and nearly burst a blood vessel? You certainly let me down. That's just the point I'm trying to make. I didn't let you down. You just built me up too high. Well, how would it have sounded if I'd said, my husband can do five push-ups? That'd be pretty small potatoes. So I simply said 50. You noticed that everybody was very much impressed. Yeah, until I couldn't get up after the seventh one. <laughs> you must exaggerate, dear. I wish you'd leave me out of it. Oh, here's David. Good morning, son. Morning, Pop. Morning, Mom. Good morning, David. When are we going to have breakfast, Mom? Well, maybe I'd better go out in the kitchen and see how Gloria's coming along. Party kept her sort of busy last night, and she cleaned up afterwards. I'll be back in a minute. How was the party last night, Pop? Oh, it was a lot of fun, except for one embarrassing situation your mother got me in. What happened, Pop? Well, your mother insisted on bragging about me, and she just let herself go. Of course, she's a very lovely and wonderful woman, and 
I wouldn't criticize it for the world. But, oh, brother, how that gal can exaggerate things. I know, Pop. When she tells other kids' mothers about my grade, she always adds five points onto every subject. I'd like to hear what she'd tell them if you made a hundred and something. Don't worry about it, Pop. There's not a chance. <laughs> oh, why not, David? Well, nobody's perfect, you know. Where'd you pick that line up? From you. Oh. <laughs> when you get older, son, you'll find out that women are the biggest problem in a man's life. They're so stubborn and obstinate. Yet, at the same time, they're so changeable and confusing. It's impossible for you to figure them out. Well, gee whiz, Dad, why do men marry them? Well, I'll take that up in a different talk. <laughs> right now, it's your mother's exaggerating I'm going to work on. How, Pop? Well, I don't know just yet. Say, David, I've got it. Why didn't I think of this before? This is wonderful. What is it, Pop? It's the old psychology. You see, all I have to do is start exaggerating things much worse than she ever dreamed of. When she sees how silly that sounds, she'll quit exaggerating things herself. Do you understand? Sure. Oh, boy, that sounds good. Now, David, don't be surprised at anything I say at breakfast. I may say some very strange things, but I think this will cure your mother. Okay, Pop. Can I help you? Well, thanks, David, but I can handle it myself. When I really make up my mind to change something about your mother, you know what happens. I sure do, Pop. But you might as well try anyway. <laughs> How's breakfast, dear? Oh, just fine. That's good. Gee, I'm starved. I haven't had anything to eat for two weeks. What did you say, Pop? I said I haven't had anything to eat for two weeks. Neither have I. <laughs> What's the matter, dear? Uh, nothing. Uh, listen to this, David. Oh, Harriet, did I ever tell you about that fellow in my lodge? What about him? Well, do you know what he had for breakfast every morning? A hundred and thirty-five eggs. Sunny side up. Harriet, when I say that a fellow eats 135 eggs every morning, isn't there a certain bet you'd like to make with me? Of course. I'll bet you he likes eggs. Well, and there's something else I forgot to mention. This fellow that eats the 135 eggs for breakfast, he also finishes off 50 quarts of milk, 10 loaves of bread, and six dozen wheat cakes. And a pickle. <laughs> Another slice of bread, dear? Uh, thank you. Uh, by the way, Harriet, I saw the strangest thing in the paper this morning. It's all about a boy with two heads. Oh, is that so? Another boy with two heads. <laughs> there have been several cases like that lately. Well, this one is very unusual because one of his heads is smarter than the other, and this boy is in 4B and 4A at the same time. <laughs> That's right. Half of them is in my class. A little more milk, dear? No, thanks. I don't feel like eating anymore. I wonder what happened to Gloria. Well, I don't know, dear, but if you finish breakfast, I'll call her. Oh, Gloria! Gloria! Did you call me Mrs. Nelson? <laughs> yes, Gloria, I did. We finished breakfast. I imagine you must be pretty tired after the party last night, huh? Oh, I don't mind. 
Just that one couple did keep me awake, though. Oh, who was that? Well, after everybody else went home, there was one silly couple out on the porch, and they were mooning and cooing and, and talking mushy talking. I just couldn't fall asleep. But, Gloria, you can't hear anything on the porch from your room. You can if you lean out the window. <laughs> was there much food left over, Gloria? Well, let me see. Um, there were 21 sandwiches. Oh, 21 sandwiches left over. Yeah. And did you put them away? Well, I put away 11, but I couldn't eat them. Well, thanks to you, Gloria, everything at the party went smoothly, with the possible exception of those cocktails you mixed. Boy, they were really something. Oh, that's a wonderful drink, Mr. Nelson. I invented it myself. I call it the air pressure cocktail. The air pressure cocktail? One drink and you blow your top. So that's what it was. My boyfriend, Elmer, really knows how to make strong drinks. He once mixed a drink, and all he took was one sip, and he ran up to the wall and drew a great big picture of an automobile on it. Oh, isn't that ridiculous? Yeah. <laughs> and then I took a sip, jumped in, and drove home. That's the first portion of Ozzy and Harriet. We'll get back to it after these words. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. And now back to Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari. Well, Lisa, in our next hour, we'll conclude the adventures of Ozzy and Harriet. Then we'll tune into a science fiction drama on X-1. So will you be here? I think I might stay around. All right, so make sure our listeners are too. Thanks for listening. We'll be back in our next hour.